Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, I get to speak with Greg Roulette. He's an Emmy award-winning producer, best-selling author, and marketing expert. Now I met him through a weird way. I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and I saw Greg's ad. And I was like, dude, this is exactly what I've been looking for. So I messaged him, signed up, got a call with him. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. So he's he has written for Mashable, FastCompanyInc.com, and the Huffington Post. AOL and others, and he has co-authored some best-selling books with Jack Canfield, Dan Kennedy, Robert Allen, and many other leading experts from around the world. Now, when I read that he's an Emmy Award-winning producer and he's also a marketing marketing expert, it's like those are two things that I would eventually like to get to. But Greg's has Greg has been doing this for a while and. I'm so honored to have him on the podcast. Greg, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited and uh, I know we're going to have a good time. Sweet. Fantastic. So some of the things that uh, I absolutely love, the story that I tell everybody is I love the process, the, the time that you go through to build your self up. It's almost like uh, the scene from Iron Man 2008 when he's stuck in, he's in the cave and he's just got scraps and he builds an Iron Man suit in that room and all the tinkering that he's doing. So those are some of the things that like totally blow my mind. Uh, I love to see those hacks. I love to see those tinkering happening and how you bring that bring things don't, don't, that don't even relate to and bring it all together into something that's just massive. And one of the, one of the awesome things I like to ask my guests is their journey. You know, how did they get here? Like some, a lot of the times we tell a story to everybody that is now well known, but there are some parts of those stories of that journey that's not known to everybody. So tell me a version of your journey that no one's been heard of before. Man, um, it's a great question because you're right. A lot of people hear like the bio that you read. A lot of people see me on stage when it's all polished, you know, or semi-polished. They see the presentation or the ad that you spend a lot of time on and it looks good um, to the outside world. But what they don't see is everything that went into you know, getting to that place. And so I, I love that question because, exactly. you know, for me, two things. I love the, the what you said about Iron Man in the cave building his suit. But if you also watch the evolution of Iron Man, I'm a super oh, comic yeah. book nerd, like love movies, is every movie, he's still tinkering with the suit. He's still Absolutely. making it better. He's still, uh, I was watching Infinity War. I have a four-year-old, uh, you know, the other night. And, you know, when Bruce Banner comes back uh, and they're, they're facing like Thanos' goons, if you will, mm-hmm. for the first time. And Bruce yeah. Banner's like, oh, how did you do that? And Iron Man's like, the new nanotech, you know? And so it's, <laughs> 
it's this constant evolution to always be your best self. And, exactly. you know, a lot of people think that it's like a, it's a destination. Like when I do this, my life will be perfect. When I hit this plateau, when I hit this milestone, you know, the, the heavens will open and, you know, it's all unicorns and rainbows. And the truth of the matter is we're always getting better. We're always, you know, trying to be the best version of ourselves. And so, um, you know, uh, I'll start kind of back with a little bit of the version that, that people probably don't know uh, about me is, you know, I was, uh, I wasn't poor growing up, but I wasn't rich. I wasn't wealthy. I, I didn't know that my parents lacked in a lot of areas because you're a kid, yeah. like you don't know. Yeah. Right. And um, looking back now, like I know that they had to, my dad had to work overtime to buy the extra baseball gloves or to sign me up for travel league and, you know, thing, things like that. And I knew from a very young age, uh, it was about 16 when I was allowed to work, go get a job that I, if, if I was going to have the nice things, if I was going to be able to afford to go to the nice dinners, if I was going to be able to, you know, go on a date, you know, uh, it wasn't going to be my parents that were going to do it for me. It was going to be me. Like it was up to me. If I wanted, you know, an extra 20 bucks to go to the movies, I had to make that happen. Yeah. And so, you know, right. The, I think it was like the week that I turned 16, uh, I walked because I didn't have a car. So I walked over to the local target and applied for a job and I got to be a stock guy, uh, you know, and I got to work from 6 PM to 10 PM because it was after school, but it was still early enough to where, you know, you weren't, uh, you know, working until like midnight or the overnight shift. Yeah. And, um, you know, I stocked shelves on, at target for, you know, a year, two years, you know, making six bucks an hour, you know? Yeah. And, but, every single paycheck I got, it allowed me to take that next step to, again, like silly things, like go on that date, go to the right. movies, but you know, not go to the restaurant with everybody and you have to split an appetizer five ways because you can't afford your own food. And so mm -hmm. um, it was that understanding that led me into, all right, well, you know, if I can make six bucks an hour here, what are other opportunities, other ways that I can, you know, create income for myself? Um, and that obviously led into entrepreneurship the early days of entrepreneurship for me uh, was all in the rap game, the hip hop game, which is weird for like the white kid, you know, coming from, uh, you know, Coral Springs, Florida. But um, I don't think that's that weird. I mean, we, we see Vanilla Ice, we see, um, you know, some of these guys that have been rapping, the BC boys, right? Yeah, exactly. Probably um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you saw that, but what I saw, um, so this is late nineties, 2000, 2001. Okay. It, it was the era of like the hip hop mogul, right? So it was Puff Daddy. It was, you know, Jimmy Iovine. It was Master P. It was Cash Money Records. It was all of these like CEOs of these record labels that were becoming the stars. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, oh, this is awesome. And so like Master P is one of the stories that, again, weird reference, but that's like who I saw is like, no one wanted to give this guy a record deal. No one was going to give him studio time. No one was going to give him distribution. So he said, you know what? I'll do it myself. And he, you know, signed himself and his two brothers, Silk the Shaka and Sea Murder to his own label, right? And he created his own label, No Limit Records. And he started, you know, recording them with, you know, his own money. And then he would go to the swap meets and he would sell, go to the, the, the local house parties and go to the clubs and sell his CDs, you know, there. And he became, you know, he created so much momentum and created so much noise that Priority Records came to him with, you know, hey, we'll give you $30 million if you can distribute your, your albums. Yeah. So he created all the leverage by not waiting for the record label, but, but creating such demand for his music that the record label came with that 
you know, kind of an offer. And so I saw that and I was like, this is incredible. Like no one wants to, no one's going to knock on my door and sign me to a record deal. No one is going to, you know, just give me free studio time. No one believes in me for this. So you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did. I I moved from target to waiting tables at a Mexican restaurant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd make a hundred bucks on Friday night. I'd make a hundred bucks on Sun on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, I take my $200 down. I still remember it was danceatarium studios. It was 40 bucks an hour. So I could get five hours of studio time on Sunday. And I recorded my first album that way. And then, you know, I still took my hundred dollars on my, you know, on Friday night, hundred dollars on Saturday night. And then I went to this local manufacturing place and, you know, printed a thousand CDs and, you know, with my own money. And then I went to parties on Friday nights and Saturday nights and sold CDs for five bucks a piece. And, you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, you know, you sell a hundred CDs on a Friday night at five bucks a piece. You walk out with $500 cash, like you're a baller. Like that's good money for, you know, a a 17 year old kid with, you know, no bills and, you know, no real responsibilities. So, Mm -hmm. It was just always that understanding of, uh, you know, and it's one of the lessons that I teach now is, is people wait for permission. They wait for somebody to say, you know what, now you can start a podcast because you've hit this milestone in your career. Now you can write this book or now you can start this TV show or now you can start your business or now like we're always waiting for somebody to say that it's okay. Yeah. When in reality, it's on us to say, you know what, this is what I want to happen in my life. And I have to make it happen and I'm going to take whatever steps are necessary so that I can live the life that I really want to live. And, and I, you know, somehow I found that at a young age. Uh, and I think it was just the environment around me is I, I was around all these rich kids who had the nice car, who had the nice clothes. And I wanted that, but I knew my parents were never going to give it to me. So anyway, I, I hope that's kind of the, a little yeah. bit of the origin story that, that peaks behind the hood a little. Absolutely. That was, that was beautiful because what do you mention? You know, you've got to do it for yourself. Nobody's going to hand it to you. Like, here's that record deal you've been looking for. No, no, no. Um, and, and it's like Master P, what Master P did, right? Is it Master P? Yeah, Master P. <laughs> right, Master P. <laughs> and if my son was here, he'd be laughing his head off. Uh, <laughs> P, right, he made his own studio. He's like, it's not rocket science, right? You, you figure it out. You make your studio, you make it happen. And that's exactly what our good friend Kevin Hart did to become a movie, you know, a movie mogul. Because uh, I, I read his book and he's, he's like, you know, uh, he was going through this stuff, but he had a good foundation where his mother taught him to be always resilient, always keep working, you know, never sitting down doing nothing. So he was a stand-up comedian. He got a deal to be on a TV show. That TV show made him wait for a whole year in Hollywood. He was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going back to my comedy nights. And he started doing that. And he learned from Dane, Dane Cook to build his email list. So when you go to a city that you're going to be touring on or doing a comedy show, you tell all the people, hey, Kevin Hart's coming to town. Come check him out. And he built his entire foundation on being super popular. Now Hollywood just goes to him and be like, Hey, come be in my gimmick. Come be in my movie, come in, be in our movie and write your own dialogue. And that's what Kevin Hart has. And, and that's what you built for yourself. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you come in, in that situation, mm-hmm. you're coming with the leverage, 
Yeah. Right. So that's what Kevin Hart did. He said, exactly. Hey, look, I'm already selling out all these clubs. I already have all this material. I already have this legion of fans. I already have this database. The same thing, you know, I uh, was about Master P is like, look, I'm already selling tens of thousands of records on my own. You come with the leverage when yeah. you go out to, you know, and, and this is something I did when I was trying to get into TV is I was like, I was trying to look for the agent, but I needed the agent more than the agent needed me. And that puts me in a vulnerable spot either to get yeah. taken advantage of or get the crappy jobs or the now I'm like, hey, I already have, you know, I, you know, I, I've already done all these documentaries. I've created my own TV show. I got distribution on it. Like I have leverage now, you know, yeah. I've created on my own. And again, so many people are waiting for you know, to get funding for their business and then they'll start or they're waiting for, but if you create your business and you create customers and you have a customer, like, again, now you have leverage. So when you go into a funding situation, like yeah. you can say like, look, I already have this, you know, like, I don't, I don't need it. When you can say that you don't need the help, but mm -hmm. you really do actually want the help because yeah. you other people around you to, to push you further. Like Kevin Hart needs studios and the marketing and the big dollars to get him to that global reach. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But he could also walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And he is, he has the power to say no, yeah. knowing that he can go back to his own database and sell out clubs. And, you know, and so that power of, you know what, you need me more than I need you is yeah. just such a lovely place, but it requires you to put in work. It requires you yeah. to, you know, put in the sweat equity. It requires you to have some self-motivation. And that's hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's really difficult to say that, you know what, my future is in my own hands and I'm going to work every single day in order to create that life or to take that one step forward. Uh, you know, Jack Canfield, one of my mentors and who I've got to work a lot with, mm -hmm. you know, says, you know, when you're, when you're going on, like, let's say a road trip, right? Yeah. All, you don't know every street that you're going to be turning on. You don't necessarily know what the highway looks like a hundred miles from where you are now. Mm -hmm. You just know that your headlights are showing you the next, you know, hundred yards. Mm -hmm. And most of the times in life, that's all you need is like, what's the next thing I need to do. Yeah. And then once you do that next thing, the next hundred yards will open and you'll appear. Right. So it's like when you're driving, you only see the next hundred yards, but as you travel and you continue moving forward, the next Part of the road will appear and the next part of the road will appear you turn the corner and the next part of the road will appear same is true in life like i didn't know what i was doing when i was recording albums but yeah. i wrote the first song and then you record the second song and then when you're done recording you go all right what's the next thing i need to do yeah instead of saying you know uh, seeing somebody right now they see whatever celebrity guru you know person they look up to and all they see is kevin hart now mm -hmm. you know? It's really hard for you to go from zero to Kevin Hart now. Yeah, but it's very you can find hard. And go to those nightclubs. You can, you know, do what I did and work in a Mexican restaurant, record your album. Like you have to think about what's your next step to get you where you want to go. Don't think when you start thinking you need to be Kevin Hart today, that's where it gets so overwhelming and you never yeah. start. You never take that first step because it's, it is like it's, looking at it that way. It's impossible to be Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. at it like, how do I book my first comedy show? What do I need to do today to book my first comedy show? Yeah. That becomes a much simpler step. And then once you book that show, what's the next step? How do I fill the room? How do I market it? How do I create the material for it? And so think about it one step at a time without losing sight of where you want to go. Amazing. Amazing. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's like you're, you look at, you look at, uh, um, you look at Mount Everest and you're like, hey, I want to be on top. Well, you've got to climb. You got to get to base camp. You got to get to the second base camp. You got to climb that mountain. You can't jump up 20 flights of stairs without taking that first step. Excellent points. And um, that's what I did for myself. I, I was like, I've been wanting to have a podcast running for the past, you know, seven years since 2012. But 
and I even started one with my cousins. And um, that went well for like four episodes, but then we were in diff- different time zones. We didn't have all the software in place. We didn't have all of the mindset in place to get it going. But then last year, I was like, all right, this is it. I've got to do it and nobody else is going to help me. I got to do it on my own. And luckily, I found this amazing distribution platform. It was like, you could do this on your mobile phone. And I was, I was commuting for two hours every day. I was like, this is the best time that I can record my podcast. And I started talking about my hobbies. And this is where we are today. It's been a, it's been a pretty amazing journey. And it's, it's always a learning. Uh, you're always learning new things and, and adding to the journey and adding to um, where we are going tomorrow. Exactly. And, and again, you're always getting better in the process, right? Like you're always building the next Ironman suit. I'm sure that this interview is better than your first interview. Oh, absolutely. 20 interviews from now, you're going to be much, you're going to look back at this one and be like, Oh my gosh, that was terrible. Now I'm so much better. And, but you don't get better unless you do, right? Like reading another book about podcasting, buying another course. And this is what people do. They, Mm -hmm. they mistake the buying of the course, the buying of the book, the watching of the video yeah. with actual accomplishment, yes. right? And they say, I, I bought the course on podcasting, therefore I'm a podcaster. Like, no, you, what you've done is you said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. That's gotten you so much better. You're like, all right, now I recorded the first episode. How do I edit it? How do I create the artwork? How do I get it on iTunes? How do I get it on Spotify? How do I get it here? How do I find guests? Like, but you, you, you have to do. Otherwise, you're just on the hamster wheel. And I see so many people and, and I, you've joined the inner circle. So you've gotten to see a little bit of, of what I do and how I coach people. But mm-hmm. there are people that are, you know, been in my coaching groups for three months, six months. And I almost like want to give them all their money back because they're in the same spot because oh. they're still, they'd rather watch another video. They'd rather listen to another podcast than go out and actually do. And yeah. it's a, I call it consuming versus creating. Mm-hmm. And you want to stop consuming at some point and you want to start creating and something that I find myself doing, this is a tip for everybody who's listening right now is if you find yourself scrolling Instagram and you're 10 minutes in and you're like, I'm wasting time and wasting my life now, stop and create something. It is the creators who get rewarded, not the consumers, right? The consumers are spending the money to go watch, you know, Iron Man, the creator, the people creating that movie are the ones getting rich right now. You know, the people who are creating the podcast are the ones who are building audience and building brand equity and building value with an audience. The ones who are consuming the podcast. Yes. Are you getting information? Are you getting, of course you are, mm-hmm. but it's the creator who is always ultimately going to win at the end of the day. And so if you find yourself in that consumption mode where yeah. you're just consuming Instagram, consuming Facebook, consuming YouTube, consuming podcasts, stop. And you know, if it's Instagram is an easy one, because if you're stop and post something, stop yeah. and post a photo with a tip right? If you're listening to a podcast, a little harder to just stop listening to a podcast and create your own, right? But, you know, stop the consumption, start the creating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure even in in your own journey so far, like it's been really good for you, right? You're discovering yourself, you're meeting great people, you're having good conversations. And it's so much better for you as the creator now. There's so many benefits to that as opposed to being the one in the, in, as the consumer. Exactly. And, and what I find myself is I'm not consuming content like I used to anymore. Like I go to LinkedIn and I'm scrolling. I'm like, all right, stop because I'm not adding anything to the story. Sure, I'll go in and I'll engage with the with the poster. I'll comment because then I am creating. I'm creating a conversation. I'm continuing a conversation. But if I'm just a mute looking through this thing, well, 
I'm not adding anything uh, valuable to the conversation or, or what the poster is talking about. Yeah, it's just intent, right? So mm-hmm. consumption with intent is different. Like you and I were talking right before we went live of you're going on LinkedIn to find like really cool guests and people yeah. you want to learn from. Like that is intent as opposed to just the mindless scrolling of what are people up to and let me just kill some time. Right. Um, so having that intent of, you know, I want to be an actor. So let me go on LinkedIn and, you know, spend 30 minutes looking for agents or looking for uh, acting coaches or looking for production companies and, you know, seeing how I can start developing those relationships. There's a difference in that in active consumption versus right. passive consumption. And I think you've made that switch now. And if everybody listening can just slightly make that switch, look, dude, I, I'm, I am, I don't have superpowers. I mm-hmm. scroll through Instagram all the freaking time, right? Like I'm not, I'm not immune to it. Right. Have some intent, like, all right, I'm going to go look for guests for my podcast, or I'm going to go do that. That just, it gives, again, it gives you the leverage as opposed to being consumed to. It's, it's like goal driven versus like, all right, I'm just, I'm just spending time to spend time because I'm just so tired of my mind being full. Exactly. Sweet. (laughs) Thanks, man. So yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty crazy journey and I find myself, okay, like, you know, I, I'll go, I'll go and communicate and talk, but then I'm also not listening to a lot of the podcasts. I'm not doing any of the listening or, or consuming, but I'm also finding myself, okay, I, I need to sit down and I need to write. I need to create content. And it also takes strategy, right? You got to have some kind of strategy behind the creation of that content too, because a lot of times people will, let's say, just start posting they're like, oh, great, I'm posting. And then they run out of steam after two weeks. But they run out of steam after, you know, a pretty distinct time and, and your book. And the, the awesome video journal that you sent us, mm-hmm. that's, that's the one that pulled me in, right? That video yeah. journal is amazing. It's got 52 weeks of what it is that you can talk about in your videos. So that's fantastic. Yeah, you, 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 you made some really valid points and, and it raises the, all right, so what do I do, right? I've been podcasting or blogging or creating videos for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and I'm not creating traction, um, right? And, and it's very easy to give up when you post your video on YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, wherever you post it, and you're like, all right, I got nine views right? Or 90 views or just like you spend all of this time, you know, thinking about it, creating it, editing it, posting it, creating the the best caption, adding the hashtags, you know, whatever that you do. Um, and then crickets and then it's just, it's just quiet. And there's a, so what a lot of creators fail to do, uh, and I'm, there's a couple things. These aren't in particular order Mm -hmm. is one, they forget about the marketing part of it right? Like you, you have to market your content Mm -hmm. because you're competing with so much other content. I was, um, I spent some time with Lewis Howes. He was in one of the episodes of ambitious adventures, the reality show we did, uh, that's on Amazon right now. And, you know, uh, we were asking him all about podcasting and how he's built his podcast. And, you know, the question, I'm sure everyone asked this to him, but we asked it as well. We said, you know, Lewis, what advice do you have to someone starting a podcast today? And his advice was really enlightening. He said, don't, And, you know, obviously you're a little taken aback, but you're like, you know, all right, so obviously explain, like, what do you mean? Um, And he says, look, no one, 
no one needs another entrepreneur show with entrepreneurs interviewing other entrepreneurs, you know, <laughs> because they already have my show or Tim Ferriss's show or, you know, and, and, you know, who would you rather listen to Joe Smith, who, you know, doesn't have a brand, doesn't have a following mm -hmm. or Tim Ferriss, yeah. you know, or Lewis House or Gary Vaynerchuk or, you know, now you have all these big brands coming into the fold, you know, with NPR and these big, so like, so the competition for time, because if a podcast is an hour, like Joe Rogan's are like two to three hours, you know, yeah. if, if, you know, if you're listening, if Joe Rogan's one of your favorite podcasters and Tim Ferriss is one of your favorite podcasters, you know, if they each only did one episode a week, that'd be like four to five hours of content. Yeah. How many more podcasts can you actually listen to when you're consuming these guys already? So mm -hmm. his whole point wasn't not to create a podcast. It's where do you fit in? So yeah. you're not just another blank. You're not just another entrepreneur podcast. You're not just another uh, lifestyle podcast. You're not just another whatever it is. So, mm -hmm. so that's a big piece of it is, is in positioning. And I love what you've done here with like mm -hmm. hacks and hobbies is like, it's not just an entrepreneur podcast. It's not just, you're helping to find these hacks and these little things and mm -hmm. how, how all these hobbies fit together and that people are multidimensional and they don't have like, you know, so finding mm -hmm. that lane I think is really important Yeah, because otherwise you, yeah, who are you going to listen to? You or John Lee Dumas, you or Pat Flynn, you or like, I'm just using entrepreneurs because that's the space yeah. that I'm in. But, yeah. you know, we only have a finite amount of time and we're not talking about a, a two minute video on YouTube. We're talking about, you know, this, you and I here today, even, you know, 30 to 45 minute episode. Like that's a lot of time in someone's life. Yeah. Why are they going to choose to listen to this over something else? So that that's thing one. Thing number two with it is that, you know, uh, aggressive promotion, aggressive marketing, whether that's spending money on ads, whether that's building an email list, whether that's leveraging the guests and their platforms to build your audience. But you can't just post something on iTunes and hope that someone's going to discover it because there is so much other things that they could discover, which, yeah. you know, just blows people's mind, but they, they, they never really uh, think about, you know, how am I going to get my message and get attention for my message. And that could be anything from headlines to the guests that you choose to, you know, how can I, whenever I talk to somebody about creating a podcast, it's how can you go and interview people who mm -hmm. no one's interviewing, but people might find really interesting. So yeah. uh, I, I work with a lot of real estate agents and I'm like, you know, it'd be a great podcast if you went out and interviewed the local, the best pool builder in your area, mm -hmm. because guess what? He's never been interviewed on a podcast before. Yeah. He's going to think it's super cool. He has a customer list of, you know, hundreds of pools that he's built. So he's going to email all those people out and say, Hey, you know, check out my, you know, interview. It's on iTunes. Like again, a pool builder, that's really yeah. cool. So someone like me, I'm like, dude, I got like dozens of interviews on iTunes. It's not that I'm still like flattered that people want to talk to me and ask me questions, but yeah. different than finding somebody new. You know, if you're in the, you know, marketing space, instead of interviewing all the internet marketers or digital marketers, can you go interview the head of marketing at Red Bull? Like that's cool and interesting and unique. Can you interview the head of marketing at Burger King when they're doing all these cool, like, cause a, no one's interviewing them and B, they have a different audience. Like you got to find those, those approaches and leverage their audiences to build your own. So, you know, it, and then the last thing I'll kind of say about it. Yeah. And the reason I think people give up really easily is because they think it's about them and not the audience. Oh. You have to be audience focused first. You have to deliver some type of value to the audience and stop yeah. thinking it's about you. It's yeah. not about you, the interviewer. It's not about you making flubs. It's not about, it's about the audience. And when you make that switch, because now you're mission driven. Now you're, I'm yeah. creating this podcast so I can help other people. 
if you're if you're creating the podcast just to help yourself or feed your ego or think it's yeah. going to grow your business, yeah. you will give up when you don't see that traction because there's not a bigger purpose or bigger mission. But if everything that you do, like every video that I put out, it's not about me. I don't care how I look. I don't care if I'm wearing a hat and a hoodie or a suit or if I stumble or if my hair's not like perfect because it's not about me. It's about the audience. Like even in the delivery I'm doing now, like I'm trying to deliver as much value as I can and actionable content for your audience. So your audience goes, man, that episode with Greg was awesome. And now they want to listen to more of your episodes. And now they want to go seek me out. It's not about me. It's about the audience. And when you have that in mind, you know, all you need to do is, you know, at the end of the day, like, this is how I judge it. If I get one good message that was like, Greg, I watched that and it changed my life. Or I did this and it helped me grow my business. Or, you know, I stopped, you know, scrolling Instagram and I I posted something on Instagram today and I got 30 likes. It's the first Mm -hmm. time I've ever gotten 30. Like, that's the coolest reward for me in the entire world. Um, it's about the audience. If it's just about you, you will quit after four episodes and you're only getting 20 views on an, on an, on an episode. Yeah. Uh, but if it's about the audience, every single person that watches, even if it's only 20 is an opportunity for you to make a difference, to make an impact, to, you know, do something really cool. So it's kind of my, at least initial thought process on, yeah. you know, starting something and, and gaining traction and, uh, and hopefully absolutely. that's helpful. No, absolutely. That, that was, that was just amazing. And, what so so it falls in right in point with how the movie industry or how the TV industry works, even right? There's hundreds of pilots that production houses create, and then they do a, they do a survey, like, okay, how many people like this pilot? right? It's audience driven. If people don't like that pilot, they're not going to go with that show. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you're, you're spot on is just like, you know, do people care about the show or do people not care about the show? And, uh, you know, do they think that it has legs? Does it have the right ensemble? Does it have the right, you know, does it have the right chemistry between the characters and the writers and, you know, all of these different factors, but it's all the stuff that I kind of just talked about is, Mm -hmm. does it fill a need in the marketplace or is it just, you know, something that the TV and movie industry is really bad at is they see something working and then they copy it a hundred times, right? So, you know, Game of Thrones is watching, so we need a dragon, you know, uh, you know, show. I I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know, you know, but like, you know, uh, Walking Dead is working, so we need a zombie show. We need like, you know, instead of how do we fill a need in the marketplace? Where's the gap? Where's the opening? And those are the shows that that tend to break out is Game of Thrones worked because at the time there was nothing like it. Walking Dead worked because at the time there was nothing like it. You don't want to be the third version of the walking dead yeah. who cares about that you know so exactly. find your unique place and and to me those are the shows that really do they break out like a show like this is us it is like nothing else on tv every episode makes my wife cry like wow. bawling tears that's not uplifting that's not about dragons that's not comedy that's not no. like it's because it it filled a hole in the marketplace instead of just another me too copycat of the marketplace that's a really good point because I I never thought thought of that you know just Hollywood just copies but that does make sense they they have a they come up with a formula and they use that formula on every single thing that that they make and sometimes they will deviate and I think that's what Marvel has been doing with their MCU and they've they've deviated but then they've kept that core formula about the same so all the origin stories look something similar but then they have a different angle in each of the movies and some of the examples that i'm thinking of is um iron man then we have dr strange incredible hulk didn't they started it twice and they're like all right it's not gonna work we're just gonna keep on going and start a new trajectory 
And then um, Captain Marvel, same thing. Black Panther, similar thing. So really well done movies that taken that formula and then they've modified it for their audience for what story they're telling. So that's what we got to do, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no one path to success. Right. right. Like Captain Marvel is a is a different movie than Iron Man. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, they're both superheroes. Yes, there's both there's the, the story arcs might be similar as in, yeah. you know, underdog finds powers, you know, has evildoer, defeats evildoer, you know. Um, but they're they're completely unique movies. And yeah. in the entrepreneur landscape, we see this a lot is there's a big product launch or there's someone teaching you how to podcast and you know, a thousand people buy the course, and now there's a thousand people that are just clones of the original. Yeah. You know, like we, we don't, like I said earlier, like Lewis is, you know, we don't need another entrepreneur podcast mm-hmm. with people interviewing entrepreneurs because yeah. it already exists. We don't need someone else being Gary V dropping F-bombs talking about content because who Gary, Gary V already exists. Yeah. Where is your, where is your lane now? Can you, like your show is an interview show, mm-hmm. right? You didn't have to reinvent the wheel on let's find cool guests. Let's ask them cool questions. Right. Let's leverage their audience to build mine. But you are doing it in your unique way. Like the first question you asked me is a question I, you know, I've probably done 60, 70 podcast interviews. I was never yeah. really asked that question before. Mm-hmm. You found a way in. Yeah. So yes, the four, yes, you're still going to put your podcast on iTunes because you'd be stupid not to, mm-hmm. right? But you're going to do it with your own artwork and your own, yeah. as opposed to just copycatting everything else that is out there. So the world doesn't need more copycats. It doesn't mean that you don't find a model and make it yours, mm-hmm. but don't just copy them. Like, like we don't need more of the same. We yeah. need you to be you. You were yeah. put on this earth. I believe that you have a unique ability. Uh, I learned that from Dan Sullivan yeah. and play to your strengths. Be weird, be unique, be whatever it is. Um, now follow like if podcasting, like there are people that have successful podcasts, what do they do? So model it, but find your own way of find delivering my- it instead of just, Hey, I bought this course. And in this course, they said, here are the 10 questions to ask every guest. And here's the, like, <laughs> That's dude. And <laughs> trust me, I've been on those shows. They wow. suck, right? They're boring. They're, there's <laughs> yeah. no personality. I was like, ah, so yeah, you got to find a way to uniquely be you, which amazing. it sounds super easy, but it's actually really hard for people yeah. to uniquely be themselves because they feel like they have to present themselves in a different way to get people to like them. Or they got to be like this other person who's popular. If they're not like that, it's not going to be popular, but the opposite is the truth. Like before Gary Vee, there was no business person dropping F-bombs on stage. Nobody, he yeah. was the first. He was uniquely himself. Now, the problem is there's a ton of other business coaches dropping F-bombs on stage trying to be Gary Vee. Mm. Now it's not like now you're just copycatting the original. Yeah. Excellent, excellent points, man. That that just blew my mind. So, I mean, we're, we're so in sync. It's, 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 it's insane. I love it. What are some of your motivations for things that you do? And, and I think you, a lot of the things we talked about in the past uh, in, through our conversation, you mentioned some of your motivations, but what are some of, like, it's always evolving. It's always changing. So how do these motivations change as you go forward? Yeah, I, I can tell you now being a dad, like that's everything to me is I want to be the best dad on the face of the planet Mm -hmm. and nothing is more important. And so with that being a motivator, I've structured my business in a way that I get to be the best dad first and my business revolves around that. So many people do it the other way. They let circumstance happen to them. They let clients take advantage of them. They, you know, jump whenever, you know, they, how high, whenever anyone says jump and I've structured it the complete opposite way. 
Like I, you know, we did this interview uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. The reason I scheduled it for 10 is I don't get to the office till 930. I hang out yeah. with my kids till nine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm up, at, I'm up at, you know, 536. I usually yeah. do a gym session. I make them breakfast. I make coffee. We yeah. watch some sports center. We hang out. I play some Legos. Then I go to the office. I don't nice. take a meeting before 10 o'clock, you know? And, you know, it could be the most important business meeting on the face of the planet. And they're like, I got to do it at nine. I'm like, I'm sorry. I have these strict rules. I learned this from one of my mentors, Craig Ballantyne, is just have rules for your life. That's one of my rules. My other rule is five o'clock is my end time. I don't do dinner meetings. I don't do calls at night. I don't do five o'clock is my end time. So I work from 9.30 to five, you know? And now, does that mean like at 11 o'clock, some nights I'll go on the patio and I'll write or I'll be great? Like, of course I will, right? Because I love what I do. But Mm -hmm. for me, my motivation is being the best dad on the face of the planet. And then during 9.30 to five, I have the freedom and the, the, the capability to be the best freaking business owner, coach, uh, content creator that I can be because I know during from 9.30 to 5, I get to be that person, yeah. right? I'm not worried about, all right, well, I have to go do this for the kids. Like my wife takes care of it. Like from that time, that is concentrated, focused, kick butt, take names on the business. But That's then fun. at 5 o'clock, that hat comes off, it's you fun. know, and I get to be dad mode. And so people that try to juggle like, all right, I got to do this. Then I got to do this. Then I got to do this. And now I got to like, that's really hard for me. Like today is a day of almost all calls. So I got podcast interview. I got sales calls. I got onboarding calls, but it's like, it's calls. But and so yeah. I get to get in the zone. I get to be in the flow state and I get to do that. I get to focus on that as opposed to, I got to write an email. Then I got to do a call. Then I got to do a sales presentation. Then I got to do a webinar. Then I like, that's so That's really hard for me to do yeah. and to be my best self. So structuring my day in that way, all leading to the original question, which is, you know, I'm a dad, like that is my motivation. And every business decision I make is, is this going to allow me, you know, does this take me away from that? Or does it allow me to do that? So, you know, like uh, even uh, in the inner circle, which you're now a member of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all I do all my coaching calls at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, not seven, eight o'clock at night, like most marketing business teachers, because that's kid time. That's way more valuable to me. And, you know, and so some people are turned off by that. That's not my client. Mm -hmm. I've decided that if you're like, screw you, Greg, I can't make 10 o'clock in the morning, then guess what? Just dude, unsubscribe. Like I know that there's abundance out there. There's enough people that I can help. And so Mm -hmm. my motivation is structuring everything so that I can coach the T-ball games. I can be there for going to the mood. Like to me, that is everything. And that's changed. Like you said, like it's evolved, you know, seven years ago before kids, it was much different, right? I was a hustler, you know? Yeah. But, um, but so yeah, that, that's, that's the current motivation. I love it because see, I'm a dad myself and I initially had my interview times only on Thursdays because that's when I would be home from certain times. And then now I was like, all right, I can't start my interviews before 10 o'clock because I've got to drop off my kid to school. I've got things going on and now summer is coming. So now it's going to be even more restricted timing. Like after three o'clock, my, my, cl- my calendar is closed because I'm, it's kid time, you know? So I love that motivation. A really great podcast that I've been listening to, First Class Fatherhood. Um, mm, I've, I've, cool. had, it's, I've had the opportunity to edit some of the episodes uh, for, the, for the host, and there's some really cool um, guests on there. Um, I think Sugar Ray's top lead singer was on there once. Um, mm. I, I would recommend you be on there as well because – there's a lot of parent, you know, fatherhood related questions and yeah. a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, really powerful. That's awesome. 
Cool, man. So we've had a really amazing conversation, conversation, but there are some core questions at the end of the episode that I like to ask my guest. What is one hobby that you wish you got into but never had the chance? Man, um, it's a great question. I think um, now as a dad, my kids are starting to be like wanting to be more like outdoor adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never, I just never really enjoyed fishing or camping or that kind of stuff growing up. Yeah. But now it is like a skill or a hobby that I wish I had because now I'm having to like learn it on the fly. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I think it's more being, being more outdoors, being more hands-on, being yeah. able to you know, whether it's hunt fish, like even if I caught a fish today, you know, to eat for dinner, like, I don't know how to skin it. I don't know how, like, I I wish I knew some of those more hands-on skills and I'm, I, you know, and having that as a hobby, I think would have been really, really cool. Um, I I've dove into some newer hobbies lately. I don't know if you and I've talked about like, I'm super now into like archery, which is kind of a weird hobby, but like, that is like one of my favorite things on the planet to do. And Uh, it was definitely out of my comfort zone. I went to like a local archery range and like, I didn't know, I knew nothing. I knew no terminology. I didn't know what kind of, I'm just like being vulnerable and like help me, you know, and doing that it's, it's the coolest hobby that I have because to me it's, it's very therapeutic and meditative. Mm -hmm. Um, but the hobby I wish I had was a little more of those outdoors hobbies, those outdoor skills. Nice. Very cool. All right. We've talked a lot about movies and TV shows. Uh, what is one of your favorite ones? Dude, uh, it, as cliche as it is, like, dude, the, I will watch every Iron Man movie a thousand times. Oh my and my God. four-year-old is now obsessed with superheroes. And so yeah. I get to watch them all over uh-huh. again with him. And so we're, yeah. we're watching almost all of them, like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, getting to relive it, not just to relive the movies for myself, but through yeah. his eyes and yeah. seeing wear the Iron Man suit for the first time and his eyes just light up. Like, yeah. is that real? Like, is Tony Stark real? Like, you're going to New York next week for a business trip. Are you going to go to Avengers Tower? And just like, um, but just, you know, getting lost in those worlds of, yeah. of possibility and dreaming big and heroism and, you know, putting someone else's life ahead of yours. Like, just all the lessons that are in those movies, um, you know, they can be cheesy comic book movies or... Yeah. You can really see them as an opportunity to, you know, see how big the world is, you know, yeah. I mean, it, and that's what I choose to see them for. I've been constantly watching um, review videos on YouTube of Avengers End Games, what's coming up in the future for, uh, you know, Far From Home, Spider-Man, and it's just amazing. Like there's so many, like, I know a lot of these things over the years, but then it's, it's funny when they talk about it again, like, Oh, it's this arc is that arc. It's just amazing to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's masterful storytelling and the way that they were able to weave so much into, mm-hmm. you know, infinity war and Endgame. Yeah. That just, I mean, just to be able to think like most of us think, you know, what, we, what are we doing tonight for dinner? You know, yeah, yeah. these people are thinking 15 movies down the line. How do we throw in some Easter eggs that are going to, you know, come in and just, yeah. it, it's, it's super cool. It is. What, and this is a new, new question that I've added. And what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Hmm. It's a great question. Um, Thank you. You know, I, I really enjoy, that like 
badass like spy person so like a james bond like a jason bourne like an ethan hunt from like yeah. the mission impossibles yeah the the ability to a to have those skill sets you mm -hmm. know is just it is incredible yeah. almost like bond i go to because he not that he has it all like look he's yeah. got a lot of messed up things you know in the head you know but you know but to be able to to wear the tuxedo and go to the nice event to drive the fancy car but then to have yeah. that set of skills like i don't know like that that just seems you know, obviously it's every guy's like fantasy to like be in those kind of roles, but why yeah. not? Like it just, it, it encompasses a lot of what I feel, you know, would just be super badass. <laughs> nice. I love it. All right. Who is your favorite superhero? And I, and I, and I think we've been talking about this. <laughs> favorite Who's super a superhero? Yeah. Um, uh, it's going to be a different answer because the easy okay. answer is Iron Man. But actually, uh -huh. my favorite superhero right now uh, is the Green Arrow. And oh. uh, what I like, so uh, Green Arrow, I'm a big fan of Nightwing. Uh, mm -hmm. Not as much Batman, but Batman. Yeah. And, and so here's the reason why. Mm -hmm. We're all regular people that decided to rise up and do something great. Yeah. The Green Arrow didn't get bit by a, a spider. He doesn't mm -hmm. have a suit made of armor. Like mm -hmm. it's him in a bow. Yeah. And the skill set and all of those things, you know, that to me, and he decided that it's, it's, it's on me to take care of my city, to take care of my people, to take care of my family. And exactly. to me, like, that's, that's cool because it's almost like any one of us can rise yeah. up and be that superhero. And I think that's, that's why I, I fell in love with that character from the TV show. Mm -hmm. But now I've gone back and I've spent too many dollars on, you know, getting all <laughs> the old comics and going through the mythology and just, you know, seeing how that person has evolved as, as someone who just, who decided you know, I'm not going to let my life go to waste without doing yeah. what's right, not for me, but for my city, for my family, yeah. and for the people around me. Was that one of the reasons why you got also got into archery? 100%. Yeah. So I actually got into archery and also ninja warrior training. Um, nice. So I go to a, like a, a ninja warrior gym here called Ninja Fit. And um, it's like CrossFit mixed with ninja warrior training. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, and part of it was because of the show arrow, uh, I wanted to do the salmon ladder. Like that was like, and so that's the reason I, and now I've stayed at the gym for like three years and it's been incredible and just transformation in, in myself. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of the, the reason to get into archery and all that was again, nice. it's a skill that I can learn. Like yeah. I can't learn to be Superman, right? No. You, you, no. I can't learn to be Spider-Man, but you can learn some of these tactical skills, you know, Absolutely. By, by putting in the work. Absolutely. Sweet, man. Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I actually really, it's, I enjoy Monopoly. Um, okay. I just, the, the idea of the game of, you know, there's chance and there's luck, but there's also strategy. There's, you know, you're, you're developing short-term assets that turn into long-term assets. Mm -hmm. Like just the, the way I think about business is a, a lot into that game. Um, oh, nice. So let's go Monopoly. Nice. I love it. Where can my my audience find you? Yeah, I think you know just to interact, to say hi, to see what I'm up to. Uh, Instagram is probably my favorite place right okay. now. Uh, just at Greg Roulette, just my name uh, on Perfect. Instagram. It's the same thing on Facebook. Um, but Instagram's really cool. Um, we also we do have that video planner that you picked up. Uh, it's free. All you gotta do is pay shipping and handling. Right now, at the time we're recording this, it's like six bucks and change. Nice. Um, you can grab one of those at ambitiousvideoplanner.com. Um, and it'll help you to do really what we talked about here in, in this episode, which is stop consuming, start creating. But if you don't know where to start, you're like, ah, I want to start creating, but I don't know what to say in my videos, or I don't know, you know, how to outline them. This will get you started really, really quickly. Um, and, and I think that's a, a really cool tool, you know, for six bucks to, to figure out how you can go ahead and get started. Uh, but yeah, follow on Instagram, you know, grab a video planner. If, if you liked what I said, that's a great way to support what we're doing and get into my world uh, at a deeper level. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, Greg, for your time. This was an amazing conversation. I loved every single minute of it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.